Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! Westside Personalized Podcast is back this week at Westside High School, and I'm really excited again to be able to rejoin my former English, uh, now one honors teammates, Stephanie Pepke and Stephanie Heitman. Uh, Stephanie Heitman actually recently off of a January Teacher of the Month for our district (laughs) award. (laughs) So congratulations on that. That's awesome and well-deserved. Thank you. And uh, third podcast. This is the first like three P I think that I've done with anyone, and it's just because you guys have some great things going on in class. And maybe before we like delve into uh, what we're here to really talk about today, which is the um, two hundred book right nonfiction choice unit, I, I wanted to kind of ask the question. I guess how do you feel that you guys have kind of like grown in this work a little bit over the course of the last like three or four years? Can I actually like zoom out? and kind of think about where you started to where you are now, because as I've like started to work with more teachers and talk with different folks, they, I think it's overwhelming sometimes to think about, oh my gosh, I'm going to fully personalize everything tomorrow, and this is a big shift, and we talk about this being really kind of a process, and you know, I kind of think back to really we kind of did poetry in the spring semester, and then it was sort of, all right, let's do some science fiction, and that was like the next fall. And then we kind of came back and, and really grammar, I think, maybe came in next after some refinement to those other two pieces. Historical fiction. Then again, that next fall sort of got a little bit more in the scaffolding. Uh, and then now, you know, this uh, what you guys have done with, with full-on grammar and nonfiction and how much of that course really lives in that place. I don't know if you guys have stepped back from it enough to really see how much has changed over the course of that time. So what are, what are your thoughts? I want to give you all that, all that setup is to let you think about that for a minute before you comment. So, um, yeah, maybe speak to that. You know, I think for me as a teacher, it's taught me a lot just in terms of flexibility. Um, I, you know, I was really nervous about personalization just because it seemed really hard to manage at first and it kind of is at first when you are getting used to it but I just feel like now the planning piece is the most important part and then once all the planning is done once we put in all of the time that it takes to set up the assessments and break down the calendar and kind of set up here our expectations it does sort of run itself and the student buy-in is pretty great I mean I think we all know anyone who teaches especially older kids the more choices you give them, the less pushback you get because they don't really have anything to push back against. And so I feel like, if nothing else, it helps kids buy in to the things that they might not enjoy or think they will enjoy as much as if you told them exactly what they had to do. So I've, I've, it's made me enjoy the teaching part a lot more because there's more engagement from the students. So you have better conversations with kids. Better conversations, I think, is something worth sort of like expounding upon there too. Because I, I know I really selfishly as an educator appreciate showing up and being able to have better conversations. Um, and so, how can contrast that to maybe what it was like before uh, when you say better? Well, for like for the nonfiction unit that we're going to talk about today, what we what we have done the past what four years, five mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. Um, all students read the same nonfiction book. And so we had, it was sort of that whole class novel format where 
I felt like as the teacher, I was doing a lot of the work trying to get kids to think the things we wanted them to and reach the conclusions we wanted them to. And so you're sort of just kind of dragging them along. And I've learned that I really hate that kind of teaching (laughs) um, because I'm doing a lot of the work and they're just sort of listening. And I feel like a lot of them give up on the reading and you have really great conversations with five or six kids who are going to have great conversations no matter what, whether they like it or not. And then the rest of them are just sort of along for the ride. Yeah. Along for the ride. And I feel like when you add the personalization piece and let kids, when we've let kids pick their book, you know, they have a lot more buy-in because it's something that's interesting to them. And then you also, you know, there are, our kids are writing an essay right now and, you know, they're asking for feedback on these pieces And you really have to kind of put it back on them. Well, is that a good key point, right? Is that what you learned from the book? Because in most cases, you know, we haven't read the book that they picked. And we're okay with that. But, like, they have to be able to articulate their ideas. And it's not just, like, me sort of filling in the blanks for them. They have to come up with the ideas themselves. And so you have to kind of push them to to be authentic um, and to really think about what they're reading. So, like, better conversations, a part of that would be to say that the because the student is more invested, then there's going to just be more dialogue that is uh, about the text because they're actually reading it, <laughs> and they care because uh, they had an opportunity to pick what, what they went through. And that's started to just kind of say that I think ownership is one of the highest forms of engagement, and I don't know if you can have ownership without choice. Uh, and so those have kind of been, that's kind of been something I've thought about a lot uh, recently. And um, before we kind of delve into to the unit even more, and I love that we're kind of tiptoeing up to the doorstep with that. Stephanie Pepke, what, sure. what would you say has kind of been your, your journey? I think that, um, you know, even prior to personalization, I have been a big believer in that idea of differentiating for students. But I think that what was kind of always holding me back is just my personal need as a teacher to try and anticipate every possible like both success and failure that might happen along the way and I think to an extent I still do that but um, I feel like more so it's happened even more with this unit I've abandoned that not completely but I think my mindset now is this really this question of like why not why wouldn't we do this? Why not try this? Why not like why not give students the opportunity to read whatever nonfiction book they want? Why does it have to be like these five, like again, that we've like selected? Like, why not try all these things? And we can still I can still anticipate like potential positives and negatives along the way, but I feel like I'm a little less a lot less actually fearful of the well what might happen and I'm more so not why not why not and we'll see what happens and we'll figure it out together along the way or we'll help students figure it out you know if mm-hmm. we fail so what <laughs> and that was really hard for me to get to that point so <laughs> that's something at the end of the podcast I often I like ask people you know what what is one piece of advice you would give to others and it's tough sometimes for people to articulate because they either say start small or bite off as big a chunk as you can chew in terms of how much you're going to to grow with things. And I don't think that it's necessarily about people being risk takers as much as it is about developing such a rich risk history for you as an uh, educator that you're okay to then take larger risks the next time because it actually 
Not that it was perfect the previous time, and that's why you're confident to take the next verse, but because even in the places where it fell short, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go, oh, well, well, that was. We'll do that differently next time. But we made it through, and it was actually pretty great. And so let's try the next, and the next, and the next. Which maybe led you guys to this place where I mean, I'm, I'm a little like overwhelmed thinking about. All right, students, here's 200 texts, and we're going to go through a unit this way. First of all, where did this idea kind of come from? And then how did you get these books out to everybody uh, would be maybe the, the place to set the story. Well, it was my idea. Well, I think that, well, you're, and you even remember, Andrew, because you've taught this, you taught the old yes. version, the original version well. of this unit, like, it wasn't always very well received. Right. And it kind of at times, like some years were better than others, and I think every year we got better at our approach with the book that we all read, but like it wasn't an enjoyable experience for most kids, I felt like. And so then that makes it not really very enjoyable as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was like, do we keep doing the same thing just because we spent all this money on the books? Mm-hmm. Or do we, like, do something that's going to make us enjoy it more? And then if we're enjoying it more, the kids are going to enjoy it more. Absolutely. And, and then we started to narrow it down to, like, we started to have these conversations last year at the end of the year. And then we were like, okay, well, after this unit, we move into a persuasive research essay. So maybe we could have some choice and maybe we could narrow it down and find some novels that deal with just social justice issues so that, like, strategically, if kids could potentially research an issue or read about an issue um, in a nonfiction text, and then they maybe they could use that to write about it. So we were trying to think of, of this, like, building kind of this scaffold, this link. And so we were like, you know, initially we're going to just brainstorm books that just dealt with social issues. And then the more that I thought about it, we like started having these conversations like more into the summer. Like, well, why do we read nonfiction? And does it matter? You know, that idea of text choice, does it matter? Like, we read nonfiction, both of us, all the time because we have an interest in the subject. And that's what was kind of missing from the whole class novel. We had some people who, who bought into the subject of the text and who were like, mm, I can understand this. You know, I don't mind it. Or people who are like, oh, we've been talking about this forever. I'm over this. So what if it's, what if we like let even, let go more, even more so of that like control factor and let kids pick whatever book they want to read? Because that's why we read. We read to learn about nonfiction. And isn't that what we want to do is to promote readers and thinkers? And does it matter what the text is? So then we sat on that for a little bit. That was a little scary. <laughs> Well, and then and then once we were like, okay, but we can't just like tell them as 14 and 15 year olds, just pick any book you want. Right. And so we were like, well, how do we even narrow this down? And so we, we took a day back in what, like September or October. Yeah. And we went, um, we actually went to the Millard Public Library mm-hmm. and we sat there and we sort of compiled a list of options and we and then we ended up categorizing them sort of by like social social issues sports nature you know kind of big categories and we did a lot of research online for like AP curriculum like book lists that they would give kids and so we so we would include rigorous 
you know, subjects and, and text choices. But then we also just like wandered over to the nonfiction section <laughs> in the library and we just yeah. started like pulling books, books out and we're like, sure. oh, let's put that on the list. And we are so lucky here at the high school to have amazing uh, librarians and Teresa Gosnell was great. She We shared our list that we were compiling with her and she added some things she thought should be there mm-hmm. and she went through and marked like all of the books that were available in the library for us and then she went out and ordered a bunch that weren't that we had on our list and she's continuing to mm-hmm. she's great you know they'll, anything we want them to order if it's in the budget they'll order it for us which is great mm-hmm. and so you know we ended up with a list of like what like 200 yeah suggestions um and then we said we weren't we weren't going to limit kids just to that list we told them you know you can find something else but it has to have at least like 240 pages and we have to approve it because mm-hmm. we wanted to avoid memoirs. We wanted to avoid straight biographies because mm-hmm. we wanted to be able to talk about bias and author's choices and things like that. Sure. And we knew that that would limit them and it would make it harder to. Well, and things that you could probably transition into that research unit. Right. With yeah. That social. Yeah. And, and kids came up with some great off the list choices that we're going to probably add. And there's a couple books that kids chose from our list that they're like, I don't think you should leave this one on there, <laughs> sure. which is great. And I feel like the thing that has helped us a ton with this unit is just like, we're, we're very honest with students that like, this is new this year, like give us feedback, let us mm-hmm. know how it's going for you. What should we do differently? And, and so like, they know that we're trying new things also. And so I think that helps them. I think that helps a little bit of buy-in too, that mm-hmm. like we're willing to kind of go out on, out on the ledge yeah. a little bit and do something rather unconventional. Well, I think uh, commenting on all that through that personalized lens, like I tend to do in this role on the podcast, but I appreciate that you took the time to talk to them about what you were trying to do and your goals and those things on the front end. And I've, I've heard in certain instances as people try to implement new things that they're not as, they're not as transparent about the motivation behind this and what that's going to do to the learning experience and the responsibilities that's going to put on the learner and why that's a good thing. And as you start to have those conversations, I think on the front end, it makes it a little bit more effective, even if it's your first time going through something like that. And from there, we talk a lot about the relationship between choice and voice. And instead of it being the buzzword cliche, like voice and choice is the way you always hear it. Let's talk about, I really like the idea of switching those two around and that it's kind of choice and voice in terms of the implementation process because you have to give choices and then once you give 200 choices the voice piece is yeah but this this text would be great to add and you should totally add this book in and this book you might want to get rid of this because this is not going to work for future years and that that's kind of a stage two personalized learning environment where people it's starting to become a collaborative teacher student we're designing this course in its future even if it's not in, in its immediate like the iterations hereafter are going to be shaped by those conversations and that's awesome that that's going on in, in this process here. So that's cool. Uh, so you put this list together, and I know there were hyperlinks to Amazon and to all these different, you know, so they could purchase these books online, where to find them at the library. Uh, hopefully we can get some of that list to maybe share in the midst of all this too. But from there then, I'm sure those people are wondering like, okay, so you have 200 books floating around out there. What are we talking about on a daily basis? What are our formatives look like? Like how do we do a summative? Can people have discussions? I mean, so really getting into the... Uh, some of those assessment pieces, where'd you guys go with that? So we had an ongoing formative assessment, which was a dialectical journal, which is essentially just a double-sided journal. So we wanted them to be able to record. We spent a day like just talking through this, to be able to record 
quotes, passages that they thought stood out to them in their text, and then the right hand of the of the journal is like the reasons why. And there's a whole list of stuff they could talk about. It could be like personal reactions, it could be like commenting on the author's choices, which would allow them to apply some of the vocabulary that we were going to talk about in the unit. Was they, there a requirement for each of those, like X number of personal, X nope. number of, no. or you kind of keep it open? No, we right. left it open. And we might change it. That'll probably know, be something. We haven't really we graded those about. all yet. Mm-hmm. So. Like they could ask questions. I mean, we pulled. We didn't create it. This idea of a dialectical journal. We actually found it online, and we decided to try it out. And we told kids that they had to do ten entries total, but they could do more. And I, I actually think I have several who did a lot more. Me too. Just even in asking me if they could. So we're in the process of. They just turned those in, but we're in the process of reading those. So that was kind of the ongoing formative. And we talked about how that's their chance to, like, have a conversation with themselves, but as well as us, because there are so many of them and so many of them reading different books, that that journal would be the way that we would understand what they were thinking as they read along the way. So that was one of our formatives. Well, and we we gave them their essay prompt on day one. So they knew all along that, that at the end of your novel, you're going to write about this. And we actually... Uh, I will give credit to where we where we found our essay prompt is actually a question Kelly Gallagher, English teacher guru, um, mm-hmm. posted on Twitter one time, and I saw it, and it was the question was how has reading this text confirmed, cha- challenged, changed, or enlarged your thinking? So it's very open ended. You could use it with anything, and I thought, well, then like that leads kids to whatever direction that they want to take, and so we gave them that writing prompt on the first week of like right as soon as they had their books checked out and we said at the end, so this is what you should be thinking about all along the way and we printed that essay topic on a, on their bookmark and then on the back of the bookmark we put like reminders about their dialectical journal so like they constantly had those focusing, guiding assessments like in their book and I think a lot of them who took it really seriously and bought in thought about those questions while they were doing their journals so that then they could use their journals to help write the essay, which is what they're working on this week. That's awesome. That's uh, important, too, to have that stuff front-loaded. and It just mm-hmm. gives purpose to that formative mm-hmm. in a way that if you say, yeah, you're going to need some of this for your essay later, uh, it might well, not. What was good, too, is I had a conversation with a student, a couple, you know, not even, it wasn't halfway in, but it was a little bit into the book, and she was reading... The book she was reading at the time, like, we had a conversation. She was kind of feeling frustrated by the journal, and she was like, I don't think I want to continue, essentially, I don't think I want to continue reading this book because every time I think about, like, I want to be able to use this journal, this is her words, I want to be able to use this journal to address that writing prompt, and every time I try and think about how I'm going to do that with this book, I feel really frustrated and I don't want to read the book. So we had a conversation then about, like, uh, so do you want to pick a new one? She was like, yes. And so she did. So, I mean, that was a, that was interesting. You know, did that happen for everybody? No, but that was just interesting, that idea of front-loading, that summative, mm-hmm. that it did, you know, for some people, that is what they're thinking along the way, and, like, how am I going to approach this, and can I do that with this book? I mean, I think that's a good, it was a really valuable conversation. It was interesting to have. And it's great to model. Like that's what readers do. If you mm-hmm. if you read fifty pages and you hate it, you right. you don't keep reading it. You know, <laughs> I had several kids who ended up switching within the first week, and they mm-hmm. went and found a new book. And absolutely, 
because that's what I would do if I started reading a book and didn't like it. I wouldn't keep going. I would mm-hmm. pick up something else. And when do we get the opportunity in education, right, especially in your K-12, to do that, to just, like, call an audible and say, this isn't for me. Uh, I'd like another option, please. And sometimes, you know, if you have right. three or four choices, mm-hmm. but uh, to really have it so open that, sure, uh, and where, where are you going next? <laughs> well, we had on, an honest conversation. I feel like we had to have it a couple of times, and it wasn't in a it wasn't in a mean way. It was just in a straightforward way that, like, CNET really is all about the choices that you make. So if after this first week or whatever you're not feeling your book, like, I feel like you know at this point, then make a different choice. Everything is going to be this domino effect because you've picked this and you're not following through or you are following through. And I think that that's a good, it was hard for me at times, I'm just thinking ahead, it was hard for me at times to watch students kind of struggle with that because of the choices they had made. But it was good for me to watch that as well. Because mm-hmm. we did have students who picked different books as a result, but we also had, we had talked kind of along the way, people who were like, mm, like, they were still on page, you know, 20 of, like, 200 or 300 on last the last Wednesday. day. You know, yeah. Like, oh, don't worry, I'm going to get it done. We were like, I'm not worried. Right. But I am You might want to be. But I'm a little bit. Uh, and so. that's, you want the experience to be learner-centered. You want to be able to turn over that control and that responsibility, which sometimes is not handled well. There are instances, too, where... Uh, they actually reject that somewhat. Like, no, just tell me what to read. It would be a lot easier if you just sort of, you know, give me And, and the we did have a couple of kids mm-hmm. who were really sort of floundering. And so then what I did was I just recommended some choices that I recommended books that I, I had read. Mm-hmm. And that generally was, a, you know, was helpful to kids. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple copies of, like, my own books. And I would just say, do you want to read this one? And yeah. So that helped. But, like, it was it was hard for... You know, for some kids, because they, they're not used to that mm-hmm. opportunity mm-hmm. But to I, have that ownership. I think it's so important that they have that experience because right. now, if they ever, you know, go on and want to read something, they'll understand, oh, it's okay to walk away from this 20 pages and if that's not for me. Uh, it's okay to seek out somebody else uh, and ask them for, you know, their opinion or mm-hmm. someone that you respect and, and, you know, is well-read on the particular topic or in genre in this case. And you don't know those things until you've experienced them and you made space in this course for them to have that experience. And I think that that's authentic to how they will read after their K-12. Mm-hmm. And that's really an awesome like thing for them to, to kind of have the opportunity to do. So summatively, we have an essay. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but where, so maybe this is what I need to ask. I know that there was some sketch pieces. We built in pieces. some other formatives yeah, too. Yeah. Did you want us to talk about this? Yeah, let's at least well, get one more in, in there. You can talk about the speed dating, which was a lot sure. of fun. But we ta- we also built in, and we should probably build in some more kind of thinking about it. We tried to build in sort of like a weekly reading check, and it, we just used a Google form. And we started asking students. They're, they're always pretty honest about, like, what page are you on in your book right now? And that kind of freaked them out, which was hilarious in a good way. But then we also just varied and asked like one central question. Like one week we asked like what's what's your takeaway right now from your reading or what's the most interesting thing you've read about and be specific. And then as we got towards the end, I really liked the question we asked. We posed we just posed the prompt to them and said, How do you think you might answer this right now, knowing that like you are almost done with your book? And a lot of pre writing opportunity. Yeah, and a lot of kids like asked if they could see like what they had submitted when they were actually ready to start planning their essay, so mm-hmm. that was kind of 
helpful. So those were easy, really easy checks. They probably took, I mean, some people, they took a little bit longer. It depends on what they wrote, but we just, we posed that at the beginning, like as a warm up slash, you know, you need to do this before the end of the mod. Mm-hmm. And then we did, we did do a formative where they had to like look at uh, the factors that would influence their author's perspective. So we had them do a little like author research and then we had them either identify or make predictions about where bias might be and then kind of how that bias is affecting. And I, that's an assessment I know we want to do some revamping for just because there were some things that were clunky, but it was still good for them to think about. And it was, you know, they really had to figure it out because in many cases, like they were reading something that we couldn't really help them with other than mm-hmm. to say, like, look it up. And, mm-hmm. and then we also had them do a formative where they had to identify the, the author's choices that were effective. Um, and give examples. And that was like an in-class thing we did during a large group. And so that was great because they could talk about how my author is using facts and here are some examples or how my author is using interviews with experts and here are some examples. And for most kids who were reading and it was it was easy for them to do and for kids who were pretending, you know, they really struggled and it was probably a good lesson for them that mm-hmm. like, oh man, I really can't fake my way through this. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they were all reading the same book, they probably would have been able to pick up enough from like class discussion or each other or each other to like skate through. And so that was great. Those were, and they did a good job with that assignment. Those who paid attention. And well, this brings up a conversation that Steph and I had kind of informally. So I'm going to maybe throw that to you to, from a teacher standpoint, you mentioned that it kind of shifted your expectation for how they explained their text. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of get into that point? Sure. Yeah, I know. And this will probably be happy and last one we get That's to fine. because we're short on time. Sure. No, I... One would think that it would be easier to do just a one-class novel or to use, like, three options that you have previously read so that you, as the teacher, have knowledge of the content. You can make judgments and evaluations about how well students are addressing questions. But I feel like, for me, it's been the opposite, which is interesting. It's been better for me to have been reading these formatives, and I started reading some of my journals last night for books that I have not read because it I don't fill in the blanks for students, I have found, you know, that are just like assume like, oh, yeah, you're answering this pretty well, which I, I think unintentionally we do sometimes as teachers like okay you know you're pretty close to to getting to where I want to get with that yeah, response. Kind of like, I see what you mean I, or I know the mean. text well yeah, enough. And that... I know that I think that sometimes I, I was like catching myself for the books that I had read versus the ones that I have not. It was better and I like my brain was working harder but I was thinking it was more about how the student how well the student was or wasn't explaining things because I couldn't fill in the blanks. And I actually liked that a lot more because I felt like I was learning something. I don't know. It was just a really interesting experience. Oh, and when you shared that, I was that was a great insight and one worth bringing up. So. I was just talking about how it was actually how I think it's actually been better to read the responses from kids whose books I haven't read because mm-hmm. I'm not. I recognize that like I have that bias of sometimes being like, oh, they're close enough to answering how I think versus the ones who I haven't read. I'm like. I'm, I'm more critical, but in a good way. I feel like I'm more honest in how I'm approaching it. And I started to, like, recognize that. That's super interesting. Thanks for sharing that, too, yeah. because Jeez. I thought about that even after we talked. And I was like, that's a really nuanced piece that I would not... Uh, those things that you learn in the midst of doing something that you would not have anticipated on the front mm-hmm. end. 
And so maybe one last uh, topic here in kind of facilitating something like this uh, is the idea of discussion. So we're not like, I, I worry sometimes with personalized learning that we make so many things automated that the room just feels like a study hall and there's no mm -hmm. collaborative element. And so uh, the opportunity to make sure that we still have group projects or things that you can work with a partner or have conversations around are, are important to design in. I know you guys did that for this unit. So uh, yeah, what did that sort of look like? So we we used to use great discussion with, with our old version of this unit and we wanted to keep discussion in there somehow even if it wasn't necessarily for a grade and so we decided to use the speed dating model and so we you know we had them take their book with them and we you know set them up in stations around the room and then we gave each pair like three minutes and in that three minutes you could ask your own questions, or we projected just a list of generic questions on the board so that if they weren't sure what to ask, and, you know, we said, make sure you introduce yourself, like... Yeah, um, which is good. And yeah. it was great. Like, I saw a couple of boys, like, shake hands <laughs> over, the, over the desk, which was great. And then they could just talk about their books and ask each other, and it was interesting, both in a good way and in a concerning way, because... You know, some kids talked and talked and talked. Got to say about it, right? And then some kids who maybe hadn't really been reading didn't really have much to say. It was also interesting. Occasionally, you'd have a group, uh, you know, a pair that matched up who were reading the same book, okay. and so that was kind of interesting to hear them because they can they could actually talk. They about, got really excited. They could actually together. talk yeah. about the book, you know. And there was I had one class where I had an odd number, so I joined in, sure. and so that was. A little nerve-wracking for them, I think, but, um, you know, I was just like, what do you like about this book? Because most of them were books I hadn't read, and so, mm -hmm. you know, as a reader myself, I was interested, like, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And, and it was a good push for, you know, we had a couple instances where they were done talking after, like, a minute and a half. And so we would sort of like turn time out. They turned around and looked at and you. And we would say, okay, listen, guys, if you can't talk for your own book for a minute and a half you're going to really struggle to write an essay at the end of this unit about your learnings. And so that kind of kicked a few of them in gear. And then mm -hmm. I, I, this is kind of a funny side note. I had one pair of girls who were talking and they, the one girl talked the whole three minutes and then the timer went off and the other girl was like, I didn't even get to go. And so like we got all the way through in that class. And then at the end I was like, if anybody wants to revisit, <laughs> and they, paired and up. they did. They like yeah. they, they went. She went back and like wanted to talk about her book. So it was really great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we could talk all day. It's been great, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but in the interest of time, and you heard the bell sound there, we probably need to kind of get back to our, our work day. But uh, as always, so impressed with the stuff that you guys are doing, and so grateful that you take the time to uh, invest on the front end. Like we said, because mm -hmm. it's a lot of work uh, to get those types of initiatives uh, launched and ready to go, but it sounds like we're having fun. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was a lot, we've talked a little bit about it, not totally, because we were just wrapping this unit up, and we're kind of tired, but um, it's been it's been really exciting, and the, the parts that I was initially the most nervous about, like the book selection, went really smoothly, like more smooth than I could have ever imagined, so, you know, it just goes back to that idea of, like, why not? Why not try stuff? That's great. So uh, thank you for all that you do for our students. Uh, and thank you for the time you put in. And thanks for chatting on the podcast today. Thanks. Thank you. Until yeah. next time. Have a good day. Yep. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.com.
www.westsidepersonalizedpodcast.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.